Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. This podcast is sponsored by the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. Check us out at smallbizthoughts.org. Forms, templates, and checklists are just the start. Our community includes all of the best-selling books on managed services in all available formats, plus free training, members-only programs, and the best business training available to managed service providers anywhere. Plus, we have weekly live members-only Zoom calls. The average member saves more than 200% of their membership cost each year. We are totally dedicated to your success. Just because you're in business for yourself doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Join us today at smallbizthoughts.org. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. This is Carl, and I'm joined today by Owen Anau. How's that? How'd I do? You did great. Awesome. <laughs> Owen is not that hard to pronounce, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. So Owen is with Sweet Process, and the website is sweetprocess.com. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and, and uh, what your background is, and then we'll get into uh, Sweet Process. So background, uh, before I started Sweet Process, I used to provide entrepreneurs. This was, okay, Sweet Process started 2013, the fourth quarter of 2013. And before that, I used to have a, uh, a firm in the Philippines where I would provide uh, people in the U.S. with uh, staff who would do back office support for them. And this was like after people had read the four hour work week and the world right. is flat and books like this. And now realizing that, hey, the small business owners can actually do the same thing like the larger companies who have like uh, outsourced firms, uh, you know, uh, like 150 seats, whatever in these countries to hand, do their uh, phone support. And now they realize the smaller guys could do it. But the issue was when they read these books, they came with the wrong notion thinking that they would just magically get somebody doing their work and someone living in a different country, different culture doing the work and doing the way they want without any form of documentation in place of how the work should be done. And so I, ha- you know, when you get a customer, you also have to do the work of setting the expectation correctly and letting them know that, hey, in order for us to do the work the way you want it to be done, we need to have documentation in place. And we would go through that whole process of meeting with them on stuff like Skype, recording, you know, step, walk us step by step. How do you do this task? Record a video and then someone on my team would take that and actually use to create documents. But one of the issues we ran into back then was that the tools to actually help with the documentation, they were either enterprise level tools that were hard to use for even the people who were doing the work on my side, as well as the clients, or they were like basically a bunch of free tools where hacking together to try to patch right. work to make it work. And in, in the back of my mind, I was like, it has to be a better way where we can easily, you know, uh, collaborate together the document procedures and also uh, have people work, get tasks done and get all those feedback that when they do the work, be able to pass that feedback into the same platform where the documentation is. So I said, okay, in the back of my mind, I was, I'm going to build this. And then I went on a podcast, uh, Mixergy, the, the, the podcast name is uh, Mixergy and it's hosted by Andrew Warner. He brought me on there to teach how exactly I was helping my clients from, from the standpoint of helping them document procedures and taking over their work. And I did that podcast and lo and behold, my co-founder Jervis Whitley, all the way from uh, uh, um, Australia, 
who is a developer listened to that podcast and was like, dude, I love what you were talking about. So he emailed me and said, dude, I love what you're talking about. I'm thinking of an idea of building a software around what you were talking about. Would you want to talk to me about this? And so I got on a conversation with him. And after when we were done, I was like, dude, instead of just giving you feedback on what to do, would you mind if we build this together? And it was like, yeah, yeah, it was exciting. I was like, okay, let's build it together. But one thing I want us to do is instead of going and building out the software, because you know, like developers, they're excited, they want to build stuff. I want to avoid a situation where we have bloated software that's hard to use, like the same problems I'm facing with, with these tools I'm using. Why don't we spend some time have conversations with uh, our people and figure out, okay, what exactly do they want from the standpoint of what is the problem they're actually facing with regards to making sure employees have this one place they can go and find the information on how to do their work and what is preventing them from doing that. Let's have conversation with a bunch of people and then take that feedback and figure out what the root problem is. And then we can build software that solves the root problem versus trying to build a feature bloated software. And so we did that. And then we took those calls, summarized it, and then we went ahead and built the software. And this was like the fourth quarter of 2013. Now we have over 1,500 companies using our software. And it, typical company goes from 20 employees all the way to 100 employees, even more. I mean, we have banks using the software, churches using the software. We have even state departments using the software. It runs the gamut because the issue of making sure employees know what to do cuts across different industries. Right. So is this, uh, I'm assuming this is a hosted product. Yes. So I will set up an account and then I add uh, my employees. Do I add, I guess, uh, trainers or managers versus uh, users and watchers? <laughs> do, I, yes. you know, do I have different layers of, uh, of access for all this? So you have different layers of access. Basically, uh, you, the admin, obviously you have access to everything and do everything. And then now you can go in there and create teams that represent literal departments in your company. And within those teams, you can add in managers who, and in the case for our software, the managers are people who actually can make approvals uh, to changes in document. One of the things that we, we based on the findings we, we, we got from people was that they want to, everybody to be involved in it and not just be depending on their manager. So we make sure that everybody can actually make changes to a document. Oh, you I see a that. change, see a change, make a change, go ahead, have at it. But those changes have to be approved by the manager of that the, 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 right. the, the department. So in, in IT, it's a very common thing that will have, let's say, uh, a new uh, workstation set up, right? And this is should be customized for every single client, but then a client will switch out their printers or change their IP addresses or something. And so I always like to say the last thing on the checklist is update the checklist. Right? <laughs> so this sounds like a tech would be able to be out in the field, go through the checklist and then say, oh, they changed this and they changed that. And this one's moved and that printer's gone and this printer's there. And then their manager just says, okay, good, 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 good. And, and then the next time somebody goes to use that checklist, it's updated and that's it. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of insights actually happens when the work is actually being done. And people think that, oh yeah, we just work together and collaborate together to build the documents. You know, there's a lot of brainstorming and all that to gather the information and build it. But when the work is married with the, with the actual uh, documents and you can have it all in one place, when people are doing work, they come across new insight or new things that weren't thought about when they build the document, being able to pass that information right back to the, the manager so they can improve the underlying procedure with a click of a button. And then that task or future tasks are updated with that new information that needed to happen. And that was based on feedback from having conversations because without that part, you lose a lot of the innovation and that continuous improvement. 
right? Well, obviously, uh, I'm a big believer in SOPs. I'm all about that. Um, when somebody starts, let's say that they, I'm, very frequently, people will say, I have some documentation, but I, I don't have most of my documentation. Like I've documented whatever, 10 things, but I haven't documented 99 things. <laughs> so <laughs> is there a way that they can easily get whatever documentation they have into your system? Do they have to retype it all or how does that work? So I'm glad you mentioned that. So basically uh, we've set it up so that you can literally uh, import the document that you already have existing and bring it into three process. So obviously people write these documents in different formats. So there's no way to uh, account for all the different formats. So when we get that information from you, we import all the information in there and then you can go into that document and then basically copy and paste it out into the specific format that we have because there's a format that we have for how we create these uh, documents. But hey, we can get all the information from you and then you can edit it after that. Uh, one thing I always want to tell people is, is probably how they can get started, if, if you will permit me. On, Absolutely. On, okay. So, you know, you, you see the importance of documenting procedures because, you know, uh, it might be that uh, employee leaves and you don't have the information now, the information is gone, or you are scaling your company and you're trying to build your company uh, and, and get more employees, but, you know, you know, there's this onboarding issue. So where do you start? So you're excited now, you want to start documenting stuff. The first thing I tell you is, okay, uh, look through the work. Is it something that you guys do on a recurring basis? And if not, if it's not something that is necessary to be done, just go ahead and eliminate it. Because people have this whole tribal knowledge thing where, oh, this is the way it's always been done. But you have to have that critical conversation like, is this necessary? Because if it's not necessary, no, we shouldn't even bother ourselves to invest the time to document it. Now, the next thing is you're left with the stuff that is necessary and it's, it's, it's happening on a recurring basis. Because obviously, if it's not happening on a recurring basis and it's a one-time thing, Heck, is that you, you probably wouldn't do it again. So there's no need to document it, right? So ask yourself the question, uh, well, versus the is this a recurring task, but it's re uh, uh, revenue generating or a task that is, is recurring, but it's not necessarily revenue generating, but it's required uh, kind of like it's a production level type of task. People get excited that they want to start documenting their income generating tasks first. But I said, well, don't do that. Let's focus on this other side first, because uh, you have a lot of bottlenecks that you've not accounted for. And now if you go and document how you're getting customers and you are successfully able to now, you know, document those uh, documents and then bring people to follow the instructions and get more customers, you're just getting more customers to be unhappy because there's a lot of bottlenecks that from the production <laughs> side, right? So why don't right. we focus on this other side first? And so determine the first, uh, the largest bottleneck on the production side and then choose that uh, task and say, okay, uh, installing the minds of all your employees that this is going to be a continuous improvement in the sense that we are not going to start out from day one with, with an encyclopedia. We basically will start with version 1.0 that will have scant, basically be scanty, would have as much information, but we all agree that we are going to have this continuous improvement thing. So look at the task, what's in the name of the task, write the title of the task. And then while you're doing the work, which is the best time to be doing this, start entering the, uh, the, the title of each of the steps. So maybe if you have a 10 step task you're working on, by the time you're done working on the task, you probably have this document that has the title, the procedure and the title of the 10 steps. Now, how do you go from this minimum viable procedure and go into something that has more details? Well, obviously you've probably trained somebody in your team or on the task before, maybe a manager, maybe verbally or whatever, or maybe employees on the ground have been trained on it. Now, when next they're working on the task, Make sure that the, the, the document you've documented is right there in front of them so that they can go into that document and start adding some details into each of the steps. It could be screenshots. It could be a small snippet of a video for a step, or it could be some 
text blur, but, but you don't want them to add so much information that it becomes unwieldy and uh, encyclopedia and everybody's you know, scared about using it. Just mi minimum information for each step. And then what happens is as, this, as they start doing the work, they're going to come run across certain things that we're not encountered for, right? And then they pass that information back to you know the the manager or whatever, or they change the documents themselves, and then you get to approve if they you know if those things should remain. And that's how it now becomes that continuous improvement thing. Now you have that first document in place. You look at the next biggest bottleneck. Do the same dance again, you know, or, or like I explained. And before you know it, for all the production stuff that are bottleneck, you start documenting things in place for them, and then people can actually take over the work. Now you're freed up time to start looking. Okay, these re revenue in, uh, generating tasks. How I do my sales. How I do stuff that bring in people's attention to us to bring in customers. Let's do that. Let's start documenting all those things so that now you can you know have those documents in place and then start getting the right people to take over those tasks. But now you know you've handled the bottleneck. So if 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 you start bringing customers in it can be handled. So that's the way I encourage people to go with the documentation. I do have to say uh, this year, we hired a new person in January, I think. <clears throat> we needed the new person because we had one person who was doing way too much. And we're like, okay, we're going to just lop off pieces of your job and we're going to hand them to somebody else, right? Which is a very common way that people uh, uh, grow. Uh, we got the new person to be extremely... Um, successful at her job almost immediately because we had documented our processes and we had to show her like, this is how we do it, walk her through it. But then after that, uh, she just looked through the documentation and tick, tick, tick was able to execute very well. So let me ask you about something you mentioned. So we've been talking about as if people are on the same team, they interact with each other, they know each other, uh, whatever, they might go to lunch. Uh, but you mentioned hiring somebody from another country. Uh, if I have somebody in another country or even in another city, I can't put up a task that says configure a workstation because they don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> there are a hundred ways to, to configure a workstation. So, but I can point them and say, here's a checklist. That's the way we configure a workstation. Work your way through that. Let me know if you have any questions. And then they're going to have different kind of feedback because they're not in our team. They don't, they don't interact with us every day and use exactly the same terminology in the same order and so forth. So they will help make that documentation better. Uh, but they literally can't be successful if we don't define the job right. Uh, you know, especially remote people who are just don't work here all the time. It's one thing if they went remote. It's another thing if they're brand new to the situation. Yeah. And it, it, even now, because people are working remotely, it's even very important that you do have, I mean, there was an argument that you was necessary before, but now the argument is way less like loud now, because yeah. even people working in the same country or the same state as you that used to come to the office because of what's happening now, they have to work from home. So it's very important to have documents in place. And I would say anytime someone is not clear on something, it's actually an opportunity. If you look at it like, oh, they're disturbing me or they're bothering me, that's the wrong mindset. The fact that they're coming back to you means something is not clear. And maybe because you've done it for so long, you are not uh, breaking down certain parts of it or you're skipping some certain information that to them is vital. So it's an opportunity to come back and say, okay, 
where, where, where are they breaking the steps of understanding in this whole thing? And then you go, when you figure that part out, you can go in there and explain what it is. And to be honest, you want to be uh, uh, explaining this stuff in a way that appeals to as many different styles of learning as possible. But some people learn by uh, reading. Some people learn by actually doing the work. Some people learn by, uh, you know, uh, having videos or whatever. So if you have a platform that uh, caters to all styles of learning, the better so that the information you put in there caters to all styles of learning. And then those who like to learn by doing, you can literally apply them and say, hey, this uh, this very task is, a, you know, it's not the task that is live to, for you to go do for a, a client, but this is how we're going to onboard you and test you. Here's a test task, go run it, see if you can follow these right. instructions and get it done. And then they can learn by doing that way. So um, I find that when I read instructions that I found on the internet, you know, I go to like, I'm looking at an Adobe product or I'm looking at, uh, you know, some editing product or something. Uh, almost always, in my experience is they skip the first step, they, which which might be go to this website and log in or open uh, this particular product, right? Instead, they start with from the menu, do this. I'm like, what menu? What are you talking about? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> like, just so it's it's almost like they literally they they start at step two, uh, and I find that very very common. And when I ask a new employee to document something. Very often they will start with step two because they don't even they don't even go to the go to this website and put in your current credentials or log in as an administrator or whatever. They don't they don't get you started right. So this is a way to basically train people to to start right. Next question: um, Do you have a way to have different layers of uh, detail? For example, if I have something like configuring a firewall. Mm-hmm. If I have a top level technician doing it, they need a very broad view of the world. If I have somebody who's just learning about firewalls, they need a very detailed list. Is this two different checklists or is it like sort of tiered so that I can say, hey, if you know what you're doing, do do the first two bullets. And then, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you go three bullets or four bullets deep. You, you go as deep as you need to in terms of detail. I'm so excited because you said something that we actually did uh, based on our conversation with the clients, uh, customers, people we spoke to before we built the software. This was kind of conversations that we're having is that the reality is that so sometimes you can just have a simple checklist where it's you know uh, step one do this step to do that whatever it's like a ten step or whatever in there. But sometimes the task is so big that using a simple checklist wouldn't make sense. So that's why in our in our app we have something which we call a process, which is a higher level where the process instead of containing steps, it actually contains procedures. And so each procedure contains its own bucket of steps, right? So an example could be like, if you work for a larger company, let's say uh, Verizon, whatever, they, they want to hire somebody. If they want to hire somebody, there's a lot of steps involved in that. And, and so you have what you call a recruitment process, where the first procedure might be all the steps the hiring manager has to face to prove to HR that this person that they need to hire is needed for the department. So I mean, there, there might be a way they have to calculate all the stuff and then do that. So there's a step procedure for that. The next procedure can be like, okay, once the uh, HR has approved the position, all the steps that they have to follow to place the ads uh, for the job on all the different approved job boards, that's another procedure. Then maybe the next one after that is, okay, interviews, uh, people start getting excited about the job and, you know, applying for the job, all the steps the hiring manager has to go through to conduct the interviews, schedule them and whatever. All the way down, you see it's following a logical step where all the way down where we now eventually have hired the person 
all the steps they have to follow to on uh, train the person. That's its own procedure. So in our app, you have the ability to have for a task. It could just be a simple checklist, or for those larger, complicated tasks, it could be a bunch of procedures. But what we found is that more than ninety percent of the time for for for, for our customers. They usually have for certain tasks just individual procedures, but then you run across every now and then that 20% of tasks where it's this larger type of task that you need a process that contains procedures to address that, that very uh, single task. So this is an audio podcast, but I'm smiling. We, we, we can see <laughs> and I'm smiling because I'm literally picturing this slide deck that I've been presenting for 15 years that says, you know, uh, processes contain one or more procedures. Procedures contain one or more checklists, right? It's like this, <laughs> it is exactly that that nested thing. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm like, we are completely on the same uh, bandwidth here. So here's a question, uh, uh, two related questions. So first one, I want to talk about pricing to whatever detail you want to go. Okay, uh, but I'm excited. Basically, the, the question is, how do you price? But then the second question is, uh, when I get started, is this something that I can create procedures for my company, but also procedures for my employee, my uh, clients? Uh, like I, I love, as a, a technology person, I love to be involved in the client's hiring process for the very reason that at some point in their hiring process, there's a, a bullet point that says, create a ticket so that Carl can create a user so that by the time the user shows up for work, their desktop will already be set up and they'll have an account in QuickBooks or whatever they need. So anyway, so first question is, how do you price this? Is it per user, per seat, per company? What's the deal? So, so great question. Regarding pricing, this was another conversation we had with people is that, you know, uh, you see all this software, they charge per user and the game is, try to get as many users uh, using the software, not, not even using software, as many users entered into the software, whether they use it or not, and charge you a monthly uh, per user price. And so you can have a situation where a large company will, will add maybe like uh, 100 employees, they're not using software, probably only 10 people are using it, and, and then you are charging them for the whole, uh, the whole Android. So you can see how the software can get expensive quick. So what we decided to do instead was have a base price, in our, in our case, is $99 base price that covers up to 20 employees, right? And so if you have one employee using it, you pay that $99. If you have five employees using it, you pay the $99. If you have the 20 employees that come with the packet, you still pay the $99. Now, this is where it gets exciting. Once you have more than 20 employees using it, the additional employees, like the 21st and onwards, we will only charge you for those users and each additional charge is $5. We'll only charge you if our system sees that they are active. So for someone to be active in the software, we look to see in, in any two week period, uh, have someone used the software. So for a month, for that person to be active, we, we, we will need to have seen that person at least twice in that whole month in the two weeks period. So you know each month has two, uh, two, two weeks in there. So we must have seen that person at least twice. So what, what happens now is these larger companies can add as many employees as they want in the software, but only those who the software sees that actively using the software, that's when we begin to charge the yeah, additional. So that, I, like, I like that because it's sort of like if they're getting value out of it. Of course. If once, once a month they go in, check something and leave, they're not going to get charged. No charge. No but charge. if they find actual value in it, then yes. Then even if I got 100 employees, I might be paying for 21 of them. Yeah. Yeah, in a given month, and 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 a different one the next month. Mm -hmm. And so, the more they use it, 
the more they, they pay for it. And because the more they use it, the more they're getting value from it. But then put that on our side. The, the thing is now we don't have to rest on our, on our laurels compared to the uh, competitors who they're going to get the money for the whole hundred employees. For us, if the software is not easy to use and intuitive to use, it means people would not use it. They will complain back to the same issue that I experienced back in the day. They wouldn't use it. And which means for us, we're not going to make money from that uh, customer. We can't land and expand. So for us to land and expand, the software has to be easy. So that's why we price the way we price. It, it, it's actually aligned with our goal, which is keep the software simple so that people can actually use it, right? Now, the next question you asked was basically have to do with, can you use the software for your clients, right? So there's two answers to that. If, you're, if you're, you're, um, uh, your client wants to have their own, uh, what's it called, their own instance or sweet process, well, that can happen where basically they would sign up and then make, make you a user in their account. And you know, if, if you have a situation where maybe you have a bunch of procedures where as a consultant that uh, maybe people in the same industry or MSPs in this case that you want to give access to them, we can make sure that from your account, we can have it in their account as well. So they have a copy and they hit the ground running from- Oh, oh that's great. So if I, if I start with a process for onboarding an employee, for example, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. put that into each of my clients' uh, instances, uh, can they customize it? Yes. They, they, so they, they get the stuff and then they can customize it as they see fit. As a matter of fact, we have one of our partners who is a, I think it's a restaurateur and it helps- uh, a lot, actually, a law firm. Uh, he used to have a law firm before, and he works with a lot of law firms, people that are building the law firms to basically scale their law firm. So he has a lot of procedures and processes and policies in his own account. And anytime somebody comes in as a person in his program, he lets us know, and then we press a button and it goes there. And they, 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 they have like tons of stuff that he built in their own account, but it's their own account. The other way to do this is if you wanted to have it so that this is your account, and then maybe uh, your clients come into your sweet process account as guests. So now they're not employees, but you can assign tasks to them as guests. And then those uh, tasks are always going to be based on an underlying procedure or an underlying process. And so that specific step as a guest, they can walk on it as well, but following you know, the instructions that you've laid out for them. So, so there's two ways do to do I it. get a, a reseller fee if I have them set up to set, to use the whole? Of course. Of okay. course. So, so I could start a client out where I am going to have technology-related tasks that I will duplicate into their instance. And then at some point when they say, well, we want this for more than technology because we have to run payroll and we have to hire new people and we have to organize, uh, you know, events or whatever they do for a living. Uh, and so you'll say, well, let me just hook you up. Uh, I know a guy on one. I can, <laughs> can totally get you an account. <laughs> I mean, if you want us to talk about the, the referral thing, yet, which I don't think the audience want to hear, but if they want, if you want to, I can. Well, no, our audience, our audience provide services to end users, but we also resell. That uh, makes sense. And services to them. Okay. Yeah. So if you got, and by the way, you know, we got like three minutes left. So go. So basically what you could do is you could basically become a referral partner. And if you have clients that you feel will uh, find value in, in the software, you can get uh, up to a 25% uh, fee. So imagine you start out with a company that maybe has a hundred employees, but maybe this week, uh, this month, only 10 were using the software. Well, eventually the more people get value from the software, that 25% fee is going to increase. And so 
multiply that by the number of employee, uh, the number of companies who you refer. So that is very available, and uh, I would love to talk to anyone about that. Uh, you know, uh, off the off channel. Very good. So the website is sweetprocess.com, exactly the way it sounds. And uh, is that the place, the best place to get started? Is there like a, hey, send me some information? Okay, great. So basically, that's where to go for the software. People want to always get to start from somewhere in terms of having something handy. So we have 52 standard operating procedure templates that your listeners can get access to by going to sweetprocess.com forward slash SM. C, so SMBCP. So again, sweetprocess.com forward slash S as in Sally, M as in Mary, B as in boy, C as in cap, and B as in Paul. So SMB community podcast. Yes. SMBCP. Yes. And <laughs> and when they get there, they just enter their information and voila, they will get the, the, the sample uh, PDF with 52 standard operating procedures. So, 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 so they can start from not from scratch, but have something handy they can re reference and build oh, from there. 52 starter procedures. And um, we'll go ahead and put those links down below. And so they'll be in the show notes, no matter what your podcatcher is. Um, if there, uh, you got two minutes or a minute and a half. So is there one little piece of advice you would give uh, business owners about SOPs? So the advice I would give is you can always start from you know, using the instructions I gave you, but if for some reason or the other, you know, you 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 don't have the time, your employees don't have the time. Well, a third option is there. Uh, there are people called process consultant. They literally are paid to do this. Literally, you, you pay them, and they'll come into your company, figure out the system, and document stuff. And some of them might be using our software as well. So you have so many options, and that's another option in case you can do it, your employees can do it. Well, pay a process consultant to do it. Very good. And in the meantime, they can watch all my videos and read all my books, but uh, very good. Owen, thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, I promise you, we will get you some people clicking on your link because uh, this is right exactly in line with uh, what we live, eat and breathe here at uh, uh, my company. So we will, we'll get you some clicks. Awesome. Appreciate you having me. All right. Thanks for being here. This is Carl, and this has been another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.